Hey, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4 Presents Podstalgic, a film podcast on core temp arts. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you telling me you built a time machine out of a podcast? Welcome back to another episode of Podstalgic. This is a podcast where we take a nostalgic look and rediscover movies new and old. And uh, for this episode, we are doing the 25th anniversary review of Only You from 1994, starring Marissa Tomei and Robert Downey Jr. Uh, And not only that, we have a special surprise following our review of the movie. I got to sit down with the writer, Diane Drake. And she shares her memories of, uh, you know, writing the script and also some of the uh, behind the scenes casting and, you know, shooting on site and working with some of the directors. So I hope you guys uh, look forward to that interview. Uh, my name is Peter. And I'm Mariano. Yep. Joining me as always. And uh, Mariano, is this the first time you've seen this movie? It is. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're definitely going to get into it. Uh, but before we do so, something that we like to do on the show is uh, kind of revisit the weekend this movie released and see what else was going on. If you are a subscriber to the show, you may have heard that uh, on the last few episodes, maybe the last couple of episodes, that uh, Boys to Men's I'll Make Love to You was the number one song. So that's going to continue for the next few months. And so we (laughs) decided that we're just going to talk about the number two song. Uh, So that way I'm not playing Boys to Men every single episode. But the number one or number two song, rather, this weekend's release of the movie was uh, Sheryl Crow's All I Want to Do. All I want to do. I'm familiar with that song. Okay, is that one you like? I know you guys weren't so big on the Lisa Loeb on the last episode. Uh, I mean, at first I thought it was an okay song, and it just got overplayed like many popular songs do, and so I'm like, eh, I don't need to hear it again. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. It's a, it's one a lot of people know, and I'm sure it was in many a movies uh, throughout the decades after that. Um, the other movie that I recognize that came out the same weekend as Only You is uh, The Specialist. The Specialist? The Specialist. That was uh, uh, Banderas and Sharon Stone. Wait, is that right? I know it's Banderas and maybe Stallone. Banderas and Stallone. That's Assassins. No, that's Assassins. Okay, so yeah. this is... Okay, what the hell is this one? I think it's Banderas <laughs> and Stone. Sharon Stone. Might, let me... You're probably right. No, no, no. Stallone right. and Stone. No Banderas. Some, you had it right. You had it right, though, Peter, the whole time. Uh, yeah, no, no. I said Banderas and Stone, I think. And then I started throwing in Stallone. But um, <laughs> right. anyway. You know, it's just hard to think that Stallone and Stone were right. together. Yeah. Stel- I, you know, I think Stel- I've Stone. seen I think I've seen this one. There's a there's a scene there's a scene where they're by the pool and some kind of murdering happens, if I remember correctly. I think there's a shower scene between the two. Oh. I, okay, I don't remember that one, but okay. I mean, I was 11, so I, I don't have that. <laughs> yeah, no business watching this movie, Peter, <laughs> at 11. <laughs> I, I didn't have the uh, business of doing anything much at 11 from uh, right, what yeah, I've right. been finding out. Um, <laughs> all right, so we'll get uh, to only you here. Uh, I, I have mentioned, you know, that uh, I was 11 um, in 1994 on the last couple of episodes. We learned that I had no business singing I'll Make Love to You. Uh, I had no business watching... What was it? Uh, no, not Shawshank. Shawshank was fine, but I know I didn't watch it at 11. There was something else. What was it? I kind of forget. But anyway, around this time, 
I was watching all types of uh, Robert Downey Jr. movies. Um, I think, oh, Time Cop. That's the one we were talking about because that's rated oh, right. R. Yeah, right, yeah, exactly. So in that episode, you revealed that you were a Closet Van Damme fan, which a lot of yes. people probably like, if you sit there and think about it, you know, you've probably seen a lot of Van Damme films. You, you know, may not admit that you're a fan, but apparently you may be a fan of his movies. Robert Downey Jr. had a string of rom-coms, uh, family-friendly movies that I was really into. I was part of that demographic, I feel. The previous year, he did Heart and Souls, which I reviewed. Uh, I reviewed Tough Turf. That came out in 1985. I reviewed, not Chaplin, but I feel there's a number of other ones that I have reviewed that star Robert Downey Jr. Uh, Marissa Tomei, the previous year, she was in My Cousin Vinny. At least I think that was 93. Was that 93? I can't recall. My Cousin Vinny, maybe 92? I feel like that was early 90s. 92. 92. Okay, see, so yeah. just a couple years before, you know, where she won um, uh, the Oscar for uh, Best Supporting Actress. So these two, um, I, I, I remember this movie pretty well. Uh, you know, spoiler alert, this movie does have a couple different reveals, which we'll d definitely get into. But I d definitely watched it enough that there was almost nothing th that was new to me. Like, I felt like some of the details I had forgotten, but for the most part, I remembered most of the beats. Uh, before we go on with that, you're burying the lead when it comes to My Cousin Vinny. Ralph Macchio is in that movie. Yes, he is. Who's also in Karate Kid. Yes. Series. Who's also in the Cobra Kai series. You don't say. Which Peter covers. I do cover Cobra those. Kai Companion. That's, so that's correct. Yeah. We, can't, we can't forget that. We got to be able to put that, you know, we got to relate all this stuff. Right? Yeah, I don't want people rolling their eyes so early in the episode already. You know, <laughs> I, well, we can save you that for the end. Do you want him to wait at least 45 minutes? Like, that's how long it took for Robert Downey Jr. to show up in this movie? 43. You were very close. 43. I was very close. <laughs> I thought it was 45. 43 minutes. Oh, my goodness. I know. Uh, so... Um, again, spoiler warning, you know, if you haven't seen this, I, I, I would, oh, well, how, let's throw this out because this is a movie I feel was kind of underseen. Obviously, it came out the same weekend as The Specialist and Specialist, you know, way overperformed than uh, over this movie. Would you recommend people check this out if they like either of these uh, two leads? Uh, okay. Uh, I have a miss. I have mixed feelings. I, 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 know, um, you, I know you're not big into rom-coms. That's already a start. It's a rom-com. So yeah. that's. Now, not saying that I don't like rom-coms, like, ever. You know, there's definitely rom-coms that I feel are good. You know, I mean, one that we've covered here is Always Be My Maybe, which is a fairly new new one, right? Yeah. Um, and along those lines, I saw, um, uh, like, a year after it came out, I saw Crazy Rich Asians, which is also a rom-com, right? And that I, was a really I, good film. I would say rom-com light. You know, right, it's, it's more rom light. Yeah, it's more drama, I, I feel. More okay, okay. But there's some comedy. Well, yeah, there's that's some true, comedy. Whenever there's any kind of like a good film, whether it's it's drama or whatever, there's there's always elements of comedy. So I guess you're right. It's not necessarily a comedy, mm. like a whole like like Always Be My Maybe was a rom com. Yes, right? this is a rom com. This is a rom com. Uh, I I like them when they're I don't know. I don't really care for this movie, so I would not recommend it. But okay, I do That's like fair. the I do really like Marissa Tomei in this. For the most part, I don't really care for her character, but I like her because I'm a, okay. I'm a fan of hers too. Um, I like her and Robert Downey Jr.'s chemistry. They have good chemistry, I think, but I don't think they were given enough in this particular film. They were given good material to work with, you know, like for instance, the few scenes she's on, like in the MCU, you know, in, in Spider Man in particular, she has good chemistry with, with Robert Downey Jr. just for a few scenes here and there. You know, it's kind of a cool 
mix between those two. So they do have good chemistry. Um, Arbenaz Jr. can pretty much act in his sleep and and be like getting awards because the dude is really good. You know, I mean, very smooth, very smooth in what he does. You know, so uh, a couple a couple years before this, he had done Chaplin too, which I also enjoy. I love that movie. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I gotta watch it again, but I do love it. I thought it was a great, great performance on him on that hey, part. Let's throw that on one of those. Like, yeah. hey, there's no good anniversaries. Let's do this. I, I would love yeah. to revisit Chaplin. I would. I would love to see that. I've seen it in a long time. I would love to see that film again. Um, so I don't think they were given good material. Okay. I don't think that this film gave them enough. And I feel like okay, there's. It's not like again. I'm. It's not like I'm against rom coms. There is, um, for instance. Uh, the the British have plenty of them, and there's there's a couple that stand out. One that I that I'm thinking of right now is, you know, just because I watched the TV show rendition of it, but the film for weddings and a funeral. Okay, was pretty. I don't know if you have ever seen that, Peter, but it's a pretty damn good film. I and have not. It, maybe it's something that we got to look and see what year it came out because that's a very good film. Like it's funny, and again, but the, the British cinema when it comes to this has more of a drier sense of humor. But but to me, it lands a lot. You know, a lot of times. So that was. That was a really good movie that just kind of off the top of my head comes to mind. I, I like that type of humor. I mean, uh, I have been told that I have the, the dry sense of humor. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, it's it's all there. It's, I really, it, from what I remember, I really enjoy that film. Okay. Um, so w- with that, uh, I would say that you have to, it's not even about things being plausible. You know, like, I think the part of, of course, cinema, you know, when it comes to comedies is that you can't, you don't necessarily have to be like, Things have to make sense in the real world. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> like who who can fly on a moment's notice to Italy? I I don't know. I mean that's right. That's that's Hollywood. That's Hollywood. You Did know? you ever see Thirteen Going on Thirty? I like that film. I like that one too. But that's yeah. that's like uh, that's kind of like big, right? The, right? the reason I bring that movie up is because like I feel this is uh, just as fantastical as that one. You know, this this one there, there's no wishing or anything like that. But I I feel. This is kind of in the same vein, but, you know, 20 years before. Okay. I can kind of see that okay. just because of the the aspect of um, some of the aspects definitely kind of follow the same kind of similar beats. But 13 going on, on 30 was like, I think that the writing was just better. Do you know what I mean? So, and I feel like they, the as far as comedy is concerned, like the jokes landed a little better. Because here, I don't know where the joke was. It was, maybe there was more whimsy than, than comedy, but it was still didn't really deliver us well and it didn't age well in my eyes oh no you know? no i it yeah didn't age well i agree with all. you there um and also the director norman uh, jewison i i didn't recognize his name but this man has a lot of movies under his belt this man is 93 years old uh-huh he's 93 okay uh here are some of the movies uh that he has done in the heat of the night okay big film. um the thomas crown affair the uh, the og version right oh wow okay uh, jesus christ superstar the original Rollerball, Injustice for All, A Soldier hmm. Story, um, The Hurricane, which I also reviewed here. I've, I listened to that review. That was a good one. A lot of, a lot of great movies. A lot of great movies. Um, I enjoyed it. If you like either of these people, I recommend it. But I, you know, that could be the bias uh, because I had seen this before uh, when, when I was younger. And we didn't even mention uh, Bonnie Hunt. Uh, she's pretty much playing the same character from Jerry Maguire. <laughs> right. You know, it's funny. The thing is that they have really good actors in this film. They do. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of good um, periphery uh, supporting actors. Mm-hmm. So that, I, I was slightly disappointed. Also, okay. That's here's fair. the thing, too. This movie clocks in at two hours and, like, 15 minutes? What? No. No way. Dude, I I, I rent 
I didn't rent it actually. I saw it on um I saw it for free on a Pluto app, which okay. I didn't even know existed until today. <laughs> Before I go on, uh Four Weddings and a Funeral came out in nineteen ninety four. Oh. Well we <laughs> yeah, you know man. what? We might have missed it because I think there was like I think a couple we did months. Miss it. You, it was yeah. in a, it was okay. in April. But yeah. that's something that maybe down the line if we can do like a non anniversary oh, thing, absolutely. that's fine. Because absolutely. I think it'll be worth it. It's still ninety four, you know, I mean it's still in the same year, so yeah, we're not ruling that out. I feel like that's like we were mentioning, we were having this discussion before. It's like 1994 had a lot of movies that lot were of great pretty movies. big, right? And 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 like movies that are uh, not just you know like forgetful. You know what I mean? Like good movies. Oh, 115 minutes. I'm sorry, 115 minutes. I think uh, I apologize. I think that because I was on Pluto, that they do have a few commercials, only like two or three commercials, but that might yeah. have added made made a runtime. But still, man, an hour and 55 minutes. I mean, I, I knew, uh, even when I was watching, I go, Jesus, wh- when the hell does Robert Downey Jr. come in? And then afterwards, I went on IMDb, and the, like one of the trivia was like, oh, 43 minutes before he shows up. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> That's a long time to get your That's lead. That's halfway through one of your leads. Uh, a typical, I mean, like like a traditional rom-com. Um, right. Let, let, me, uh, let me talk a little bit about what this movie is about before we get more into it. Uh, for those sure. that may be still on the cusp of like, I don't know if I want to see this or not. Um, but basically, uh, Marissa Tomei, when she was like 11 years old, her and her brother were playing a Ouija board. Uh, the Ouija board says you're going to marry a dude named Damon Bradley. They go to a fair, and then a gypsy lady says, hey, you're going to marry a dude named Damon Bradley. Fast forward, uh, Marissa Tomei is now like, what, in her 30s, early 30s, maybe 30, and she's about to get married to this podiatrist. And all of a sudden, she finds out that this Damon Bradley is going to Italy. Yeah, at least that's the way her brother pronounces it. Uh, right. <laughs> which bothered the hell out of me because he kept on saying Italy like eight times in like 30 <laughs> seconds. Uh, but anyway. Wait, was that uh, her brother, right? Fisher Stevens? That's her. Fisher Stevens is her brother, not to be mistaken with the... Well, it's the same Fisher Stevens from Short Circuit, but for, for the right. longest time, I don't know if I told you this, Mariano, for the longest no. time, I thought this Fisher Stevens is different from the Fisher Stevens from Short Circuit. I thought they were two different people with the same name. Because they had him on brown face? <laughs> they had him in brown face. And to okay. me, he was believable as an Indian man. Okay. Uh, and I think Aziz Ansari said like the same thing in one of his stand-ups. You know, like for the longest time, right. he thought that right. Fisher Stevens was Indian. I like to think of Fisher Stevens as the um, very like low-grade version of Michael Douglas. You know what? I can see that. And, can you see uh, that? I can I've see always th- thought that. Not only can I see that, I go... He looked like he could be uh, r- related to um, Hawkeye. Help me out with the, Jeremy Renner a little. Oh, okay. I right? can see that. Okay. I can see that. So okay. throw, throw them in, in the same family. Uh, Michael Why Douglas, not? Jeremy Renner, and uh, Fisher Stevens because he did look like that. But I think I think you're you're probably more on the nose with the Michael Douglas. I think. But uh, anyway, Bonnie Hunt plays her sister in law. And she's the one who kind of like goes on this crazy ride with her to Italy uh, to find this Damon Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> so they run into Robert Downey Jr. He's like, hey, oh, oh, I'm Damon Bradley. You know, um, and some chaos ensues to whether uh, he is lying or not. And, you know, we'll we'll kind of uh, get into the details. But that's pretty much the gist of it. Uh, after watching this movie, I'm like, you know what? A lot of people in this movie are going out of their way for love like beyond the call of duty Be- yes and we're not maybe going to get into the reveals now but we'll kind of like talk about it as we get into it um 
there was something that I also found interesting. This could be just me, but I felt red. The color red played a part in this movie, like thematically. Um, I feel anytime we see red, it's supposed to be like fate or something like that, right? There, there's a moment where Marissa Tomei is in that red dress. That's when she bumps into Robert Downey Jr. in Italy. Right. <laughs> I, I need to stop <laughs> saying that because I'm probably pissing somebody off. You're probably... <laughs> It's gonna. They're gonna say for the rest of your life if you're not careful. Be careful. Oh yeah, gotta be be careful. Uh, red roses, red socks. You know, jumping forward to the end of the movie, red socks is is, is something. Uh, a, a red car. Yep. Red convertible. Exactly. So there's a lot of like um, isolated red coloring in in certain scenes, uh, which I found very interesting. Again, I listed a few movies that this director, uh, Norman Jewison, has has um, directed. I wouldn't put that past him you know what i mean like i, I feel that might have been intentional but i could be overreading it i don't think you're overreading i think it makes sense because red is uh, uh, uh when it comes to aesthetics and meaning red i mean is romance so it's already a romantic comedy right they're yeah. in italy yeah italy one of the one of the scenes that i a lot of that i liked actually right <laughs> mixed baggage here but right, one right, of the right. scenes i liked was towards the end where the air which something would never happen but their airport uh, workers helping her again, like you're saying, people go way out of the way to help her help romance, right? Helping her get on the plane or whatever, and and then it's all about Italians loving romance. That's kind of the, right. I don't know if it's a stereotype or if it's a thing. I think uh, it is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, Italians a romantic language. Rome is there. I mean, all there's the so many different connections. Airline workers wouldn't even help her out at the beginning. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> they were like, "I'm sorry, man, we're we'll calling call security the on cops. you." Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> so. There's, uh, you know, I think one of the old men was like, oh, viva amore, you know. So it was like all these connections. So I can see yeah. red. Okay. I can totally see red being anything. Plus, uh, Bonnie Hunt said, you know, like, oh, I'm, I brought that red dress that so you never have a reason to wear. So I'm going to make sure you wear it kind of thing, which is. Yeah. It was actually, I will say that for it being, it was very 19, early 1990s when it came to fashion, you know, definitely, especially for men's wear. It was like all the big suits, right? But um, I, I will say that. When they had her in white and in, in that red outfit, like she looked so, she looked really good. Like she that would work. was that beautiful worked. in those two oh, yeah. mm-hmm. dresses. Yep. Yes, absolutely. Her hair not not quite as big as Michael Vinny, my cousin. No, Vinny, no I mean. not at all. She she got not, the not Demi Moore look going yeah. on here. You know, four years after uh, Ghost had already come out. You know, I was just thinking, uh, again, I was 11 years old watching this movie. Uh, maybe <laughs> I uh, this is maybe one of those movies that can also credit to like my you know, future grand gestures in relationships, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, maybe going out of my way uh, to try to gain the interest of a young lady of sorts, you know, something like that. Because um, I, I, I eat these up. I, I like these rom-coms. I, I like this movie. But I think what this uh, movie does well is like they introduce these characters and they give these characters something to do, whether you like it or not. You know, that's your own opinion. Because I have forgotten the sister-in-law. Is is her name Kate? I, I'm kind of, uh, let's see here. Bonnie Hunt does play Kate, right? Robert Downey Jr. is Peter Wright, Mr. Right, Mr. Huh? Right, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. Um, I saw that. Oh, I saw that. That <laughs> uh, was Brissa, on the nose. <laughs> Rissa Tomei plays Faith, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, now you're familiar with this actor. Um, I know him from the Fast and Furious, one of the installments. Uh, Joaquim de Almeida, uh, who plays Giovanni, he, he's yep. a Italian yep. local that yes. kind of takes them around Joaquin, at some points. Joaquim de Almeida, who's in uh, was it Fast and Furious Five? Fast Five. I, I think pretty, you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, Fast Five. That's pretty sure he was there because they were, were in Brazil. 
yeah, he was playing a Brazilian politician or something, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, maybe um, not politician, but definitely police? a bad dude. Bad guy? Bad yes, guy. Yes, bad guy it. for sure. Um, who also played uh, Epifanio in uh, Queen of the South. That's what, that's what it where is. He played yeah. a, where he played a Mexican uh, cartel, head cartel guy. Oh, hey. And uh, turns out this dude is Portuguese, so go figure. He also played an Italian guy on this series. Hey, man, he's all around all around uh, world traveler. Yeah, uh, globetrotter, uh, some yeah, may exactly. call him. Yeah. yeah, I like him, though. He was good. Yeah, Fisher Stevens, we mentioned, uh, he plays Larry, uh, who's Kate's husband, again, uh, Faith's brother. So oh, let's not forget Billy Zane, buddy. Billy yeah, Zane with that I, was, I was kind of holding on to that a little bit. <laughs> oh, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, it's really? okay. It's okay. You know, we're, we're going to be bad. spoiling all types of things. Um, so let me ask you this. Uh, obviously, I knew about the two reveals, okay? And I was actually right. surprised upon my rewatch how soon we even get the very first one. Again, we already mentioned Robert Downey Jr., uh, comes in at 43 minutes. Damon Bradley is this uh, mystical figure for the first 43 minutes. We never get a right. face. We only hear him over the phone. And credit to, I, I mean, it could have even been Robert Downey Jr. voicing Damon, uh, Damon Bradley telephone? over the phone. It could be. I thought that was Robert Downey Jr.'s voice, to be honest. It sounded a lot like him. It kind of did sound like him, yeah. Did you pick up, like, did you think he was Damon Bradley? No, Okay. I did not. When did you realize, like, oh, he's probably not Damon Bradley? Uh, I think right from, uh, hmm. I'm trying, you know, I, I thought from the beginning, to be honest, and that was just okay. a hunch. Okay. You know, I, I didn't necessarily have anything to go on. Uh, they the never show his they face. Never showed, they never showed his face. You know, they showed like an elbow, right? And right. That did not look like a Robert Downey. That's not Iron Man's elbow. No. So I figured, I've seen no, his that's elbows. not going to be him. Yeah, right. Exactly. Okay. He's, he's been in four <laughs> Avenger movies. Three. Right. Exactly. Well, <laughs> I've seen, four, I've seen a lot just, of his work. You know, anyway. I've, hey, I've seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Okay. That's All not right. Robert Downey. There, there you go. I've seen Chapman. Right. Uh, so, uh, I didn't think it was him. Uh, that would have been too easy, you know? Right. But once he said, once he said, oh, I'm so and so. And, and here's where I have a, I have a problem with Faith's character. Okay. It's like she's so fixated on this thing. Whereas, like, like right away, she could give two shits about Mr. Wright <laughs> as he was helping her with her shoe. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Could give a fuck about him. She oh, was man. trying to find ways she was to so keep good going too. She's on like this thing. Shoving him in the face, and you know, right, like yeah. uh, when he's helping her with the shoes, she's like, "Okay, thanks. Right. Yeah, thanks. thanks. Okay, bye. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I okay, got bye. it from here, bud. <laughs> and you are. <laughs> and um, and even uh, when when she's going, okay, we're gonna get uh maps, and we're gonna get a car, and have a loudspeaker. I'm like, well, girl, calm it down. You're already traveled to Italy for this." crap you know bullshit basically you already flew like across the world you know pretty much yeah yeah and i mean to be honest the real winner here is kate kate got a fucking vacation and she got wooed by an, like a local italian dude yeah who's not a bad looking guy no smooth dude with a convertible Absolutely. who's got friends with big boats i mean, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I, mean like, I mean right yeah and she got to stay at, like some like really nice hotels beautiful like so she was the winner, I think, of this whole deal. Because even though she tagged along and was doing like the most for her friend, she like got a fucking great vacation out of it, and yeah. she was able to reconcile her marriage somehow. Even though I don't think uh, Fisher Stevens deserved it, because you never addressed the fact that he was kind of shitty to her the whole time. Oh man, like the, the, never it, addressed it. The very first time they introduced him, I was like, oh my god, he's a terrible right. husband. Like I forgot Horrible. that about him. I do Horrible. remember the reveal at the end. That it was all it was all him when they were kids, you know. He he reveals at the right, towards the right. end of the movie. He's like, "No, I'm Damien Bradley. That was me. I was the one who's spelling out the name. It was some dude right. that I didn't like in school. Right. I remember that. I didn't remember him being a shitty husband. 
Oh. And it still didn't excuse him later on when we find out that he owns like this roofing company and he's extremely busy. It was the way he treated her. He's like, no, it wasn't. I got a poker be, game. You need right. to be home and get shit ready for me while I'm still working. Like, what? What is going yeah. on? I, uh, yeah, he was shitty, dude. So to me, it's like, th- that was never addressed. The whole thing was, look, I miss you since you've been gone. Okay, no shit. You probably miss fucking sandwiches being cut. You know, the 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 bread, <laughs> the ends being cut off your fucking bread for your sandwiches or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, what? Yeah, you're doing work. You actually got to watch the kids, you know? Do you think his character was written that way so that the viewers can excuse this trip that she takes and then ultimately going around with Giovanni? You think we that makes us feel a little bit okay because it's like, well, Larry's an asshole anyway. Probably. I'm assuming that's probably what it was for, you know. But but again, it was never really addressed. Like, And I, Kate never really said, I'm not married or... I mean, she knew what she was doing, right? She it was did. attention. It was right. all attention, which is, you know, and... and and Kate is you the sister-in-law, say, like you know, that's right. that's that's uh, Faith's brother, right? So you can say technically you are in the wrong for doing this or yes. whatever. Yes, holding um, hands and right and being wood, yes. you know, letting herself be wood and looking forward to it because she was, you know, and making herself look pretty and you know, like putting a uh, perfume and whatnot using perfume. You know what I'm saying? I mean, women don't use like, perfume. I'm just saying. She, I got you. She, she was. I'm just saying. When when you see her, she was putting a little extra effort to meet this Giovanni dude. Yes, that's okay. It, it was it was intentional. But yes, I to be honest, am on Kate's side. I would say leave leave that motherfucker because <laughs> what was he doing? Making you make fucking food for these fucking like crusty ass friends? That was some bullshit, man. The dude's got a convertible. He's driving you through the fucking like countryside <laughs> oh, of, of Italy. Do you see the beautiful shots of fucking Italy? The one thing I had to say oh, about man. the director, it's man, a, he knew yeah. how to fucking shoot the goddamn country, man. Holy crap. It yeah. was gorgeous, man. It was, that it was, was like, gorgeous. It, would be, it was, man, I'm like, I want to be there. I'll, I'll go out with Giovanni and have dinner with him so I can fucking go in the countryside. <laughs> you know, most of most of the men, Giovanni is probably the, the most tame, uh, you know, and I'm going to use that word light, uh, lightly, loosely, and everybody else, they're, men ain't shit, number one. They're all garbage in this yeah. movie, man. Yeah, and, and, I and I mean in general, but also in this movie. And uh, Faith's uh, fiancé is a podiatrist. And he's a bit of a jerk too, you know. Like yeah. he he doesn't listen to her, and and he makes decisions without, um, you know, uh, discussing it with her first. That that type of thing. So again, like, okay, are these good enough reasons for us to excuse her behavior? You know, for her to fly over to uh, meet this this Damon Bradley that she's never ever met uh, before. No, you know, and it's the movie. It's one of those things that we're supposed to suspend disbelief, but at least they're trying, right? Right. I would say that she's justified for the fact that he's trying to make her wear that goddamn dress. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, and I'm glad that oh, she she was all like, oh, man, yeah, this is so pretty. And she, was, she saw herself and she's like, Mm-mm, no, this. No, no. That, <laughs> yeah. Terrible. Terrible. Yeah. And this ain't it. That whole mother, mother-in-law or future mother-in-law or not necessarily future mother-in-law anymore pushing that dress thing was like bad. And then him, you know, again, he's making decisions for her again. It's the same thing. It's a similar behavior to uh, to Larry, you know, just not considering the other person at all whatsoever you yeah know? so that was garbage uh robert uh mr right wrong his friend billy zane was garbage i mean yeah he he so he hired so this is the second reveal uh uh robert downey jr is like hey you know i found damon bradley for you and so that kind of gets her uh back in his good graces or whatever so she kind of right. like, tolerates him for the next half hour or so 
um, sets her up with a fake Damon Bradley, which is uh, actor Billy Zane. And she goes, they they make this three-hour trip. Giovanni is such a nice guy, right? <laughs> Took these people Dude, three hour trip. Exactly, right. Um and then uh, so so when we meet him, what did what did you think of Billy Zane when we first meet him? You know, he's kind of got like a little broy attitude. He's got this oh, totally. long oh, curly God, he hair. Was he was he was like really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And and he was just he was totally bro and he was like <laughs> Oh god! Like she was having trying to have a conversation with him, and there's like no way they would have a conversation. You know well, what I mean? She was None like, at all. "Oh, you you must think it's so weird. I asked you out to dinner." He's like, "No, not really. You know, it kind of happens, happens, happens all the time." He did laugh like, like hoo, hoo, hoo. Yeah, he did. He really did because I, I was looking out for it. I was like, "This guy." I think obviously he's playing up the character, but yeah, right. this Damon Bradley was not smooth. He had the looks, you know. Uh, I, I've always thought Billy Zane was kind of a handsome dude. Obviously, I've known him since Back to the Future. Back to the Future. He was one of Biff's goons. Was he? Yeah, I got He played oh, match. Man, he always had like a match, a matchstick in his mouth. Okay, dang it. Yeah, I, I, I just remember him from Titanic. Oh yeah, well that's what, that's what most people and, remember him from. But and um, and, to- and Tombstone. I've you know I have not seen Tombstone in a really long time. Really he was one time. of the actors. He was with uh, Dana Delaney. Oh no kidding! I mean, I remember yeah. like uh, Val Kilmer. Uh, you know, oh, everybody in the cup, you know? but yeah, but anyway, um, in Back to the Future, he's okay. So, there's one guy with, with 3D glasses, and then yes. there's another guy with really short hair and fingerless gloves, and he was the other yes. guy. Oh, okay, yeah, so that was Billy Zane. So, this was 94, and he was not in Back to the Future 3, which was 91. So, 89 was the last time we saw him, uh, in part two, but anyway, yeah, I, I thought it was funny. We, um, you know, in in one part during this date, uh, Billy Zane gets really handy, and I'm just like, "Bro, what Very are you handy. doing?" It, it made me uncomfortable. Yeah, she said, "I don't feel comfortable." Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, how about this? Both hands?" I'm like, "What the fuck?" Grabs the other boob. He, he he grabs one boob, then grabs the other, and then he grabs both of them. I'm like, well, what is, what is going on? And she gave him no signals whatsoever, and that and, and like this entire time during the whole date, you know, Mr. Wright, Robert Downey Jr., RDJ, he's. He's watching everything, right? He's watching from like, um, you know, from the other side of the pier with binoculars and, and yeah, dude. Okay, he's on the he's on the bench with binoculars, right? I would say this: if I were in that movie, the character that I would be would be the little old man that sat next to him smoking a cigar, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, he's like, I have no English, sir. you know. And then it's like, do you know about fate? He's like, oh, fate. Everybody knows about fate. What yeah, the fuck are you talking about? Just Shut the hell up. Source. Leave me alone, kid. <laughs> Listen, Sonny, leave me alone. Oh, he, he was pretty good. I was like, wait a minute. That, that sounds like you just yeah, spoke that... English. <laughs> he did. He's all like, oh, it's in, the, it's in the stars. I'm like, wait a minute. You just say you didn't speak English, but you're talking about reading the stars. Yeah, you that's, just said in pretty, Italiano that's a complicated... that you don't yeah. understand English. Like, I understood right. that part in Italian. <laughs> right. Uh, he so said, every, he's basically said everybody knows fate. He looked at him kind of like, you idiot. Everybody fucking believes in fate. Shut the hell up. You know where you're at? When in Rome, homie. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, this this whole premise was very... um, You you definitely have to suspend all disbelief. Just suspend it all. There's no way. There's no way. Right. You know? Uh, how, How is it that they're not necessarily like... Kate and Larry aren't necessarily like rolling in money. And they both end up in Italy for... Her for like a weekend and him for like... Two days. <laughs> yeah. How how did he find her exactly? Because, I mean, he had, to, he had to call the credit card company to find out uh, about the charges. I don't know right. if they could even say like, oh, 
Uh, she is. You can find her here. <laughs> right. Exactly. Find her here at this hotel. Like <laughs> you know, run into her as you walk as you uh, have your taxi leave you there. So also, yeah. I will say one thing, and I'm like this irritated the fuck out of me when they're driving their car to Rome. They they go up into this fork on the road or T more like a T on oh, the road. Oh, when they first got there, Kate and Faith. Yeah. Yes, they're driving. The signs had all these arrows. One of them said Roma with an arrow pointing to the left, and somehow they couldn't figure it out, and they went right. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> they have brains, right? I mean, they're not complete moral idiots, are they? I mean, what's right. happening here? I don't know. Anyway, that was that just that was like a pet peeve for me. I'm like. Just so they can break down and have the the nuns kind of give them gas, I guess. I don't know. So we kind of mentioned, or I, I mentioned that there was uh, a couple different reveals. You know, so the f- first one, well, we we mentioned the, the two of them. What I didn't ask was, did you did you f- have an idea that the Billy Zane was also another fake? I that one I didn't know. I just thought, oh, of course it makes sense that the real uh, Bradley is like just a doofus you know what i mean or just somebody who like yeah good looking guy like nice body whatever coming out the pool that whole business but that he was like just somebody who wasn't very bright and also you know a player because you know like right away he had women calling his name right i guess that was part of the part of the deal also where do you find a friend to do that for you in italy oh i he i think he was like a guy for hire you know it's just somebody that oh god yeah I, i think he looked for somebody locally oh you're an actor because that was the thing right like oh he's an actor harry um, I, I need you to play this part. If you know, if you you can draw her attention by having somebody yell at your name, kind of thing. You know, right? I, I, yeah, I think it was all planned. I know it's all an act. Yeah, it's all mm-hmm. an act in the end, right? Right, because um, because uh, Peter Wright, you know, RDJ, he at one point says that uh, he he's talking about how meeting Faith was fate, you know, and he's he's confessing to Kate here. He's like. I'm not supposed to be here. Like, I'm here on a business trip because my boss couldn't make it. And right, exactly. it says all these things. Like, you know, it was just like a perfect storm uh, for right. him that he ended up there. Yeah. I mean, none of that excuses it. I think they had the right idea, like, when Kate was like, yeah, so what? <laughs> you know, get out. Get out. <laughs> Got nothing to do with this. The whole stalking-ish thing, the lying a few times. And, I mean, all those things were terrible. He's just a kind of a trash guy. Not kind of. He is a trash guy. Yeah. But... If if any, I mean, out of all the things that he did that I felt like, oh, just, dude, he, this guy's terrible. The worst thing he could do was have his feet up on a goddamn oh, yeah, yeah, seat right. in the airplane <laughs> with no shoes on, socks all out, where somebody's head could be. What the fuck? Who does that? The better ending for this film would have been Faith walks in, sees him, sees that he has his fucking feet up there. And it's like, oh, hell no. And then goes back and gets on Turned the plane around. to New York. Turns around and goes to New York. And everybody outside is going, viva la more. They're like, oh, what happened? Like, he had his feet up on his the head. Up. And they're like, okay, that, that tracks. Yeah, like, okay. Like, yeah, that, okay. Yeah, nobody yeah. does that. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> Not in Italy. You don't do that. It, I, again, it, it sounds like we're really shitting on the movie. Like, I still had a good time. Yeah, because time, yeah. I think RDJ still get, you know delivers like a pretty good performance, and I think uh, Marissa Tomei is like really cute in her acting. Like I think she's obviously over the top. Yeah, but that's what that was, was given to her though. Yeah, I, yeah. This is again what material they were given, you know. And again, uh, Robert Downey Jr. is an excellent actor, but it's amazing actor too, man. I, and and they, they had good chemistry. Almost did they ever make anything else together? The, these are the only two that I know about. Uh, okay. Only you and um, you know the Avengers. Right. Dang, because 
it would have been nice to see them in something else, like something a little a little better, a little maybe not necessarily meteor, but even another rom com because I I like them together and she was fucking adorable. She really Holy was. Crap. That's a good word. Oh my god. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. And he's again smooth and so I don't know. I mean, I really enjoyed Bonnie Hunt. You know, I thought I thought she was good too. I thought she yeah. was funny. Oh no, she was good. I thought that um she and uh yeah, when Bonnie and Giovanni, like when Kate and Giovanni were together, were kind of cool. That was, you know, I mean, again, it would have been better if she was actually like, let's say she just divorced Faith's brother or something. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh-huh. That kind of thing. And to be like, well, this is an excuse to be out on like some kind of like Roman holiday or something, you know? And even though she knows what this guy's doing, he's trying to pick her up super off her feet, you know, she's she goes along with it, you know? So there wouldn't be that whole hang up about her being married to a guy who, again, was very rude and unappreciative and did not apologize for being an asshole. He still didn't get it. You know what I mean? The whole time right. he didn't get it. Yeah. He told the podiatrist he didn't get it. He didn't do he didn't do anything. That's what he said. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I'm blinded by like some of the other movies. I, I love them all in. So I I'm still like leaning on the side of like, yeah, check it out, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this, this was prime like RDJ for me. Uh this and Heart and Souls, which is a movie uh I really love and um, I have yet to find somebody else that love it as much as me, but that's that's you know neither here nor there, I guess. Uh, I I wish I had written them down, but there was at least two moments where I was like laying in bed watching this, and I actually had a legit like snort laugh. You know, I found some parts uh, to be funny, cute, adorable, whimsical. I don't know a, a lot of different words to describe this, which you're like I don't see any of that, and and that's fair. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. I mean, I get it. I get it. Uh, and you know what? I think that it's just like any genre. Like, if you like certain movies, you're going to give more leeway to certain type of movies that you like more. That's you know fair. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, I can see that. and again, it's not like I don't like this genre, but I'm not as big of a fan. And, and that's fine. And you know what? I was just looking up Heart and Souls, and I did see that film. Okay. And if I remember correctly, I really liked this movie because I forgot that Charles Groban's in this. And and uh, so, yeah, I remember this film, and I, I now want to see it again because I do remember liking it. When I watched it, so I'd be I'd be curious to find out what it what how what I feel about it now. I I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Actually, um, that movie okay makes me cry every time, and I'm not gonna say where you'll have to see it and see, and, and f- see it, you know figure out like oh is this the part? Uh, but it gets me every single time. That one I also love. That's probably top uh R D J for me uh, in terms of his movies. Uh, but that movie. Also has Alfred Woodard, uh, one of my favorite I actresses. See it. Yeah. yeah, she was also in one of the Avengers movies. Uh, it has a scene with RDJ as well. That is true. Yeah, because her her son was killed. Yeah, uh, Avengers. It's not Age of Ultron. I think it's a. Uh, it might have been Age. It of Ultron. It might have been Age of Ultron. Actually, I think it is Age of Ultron. Um, there's a lot of good actors in this film too. By the way, you know, I, I got to check it out. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to watch it, and I'll get back to you on that one for sure. Yeah. Um, I know I watched it, and I know I liked it. And I've always been a Robert Downey Jr. fan, even his early work. And I do kind of remember the whole idea of, you know, the whole time when he was going through it, you know, as yeah. far as like addiction, you know. Right. And, and and to me, I always felt like, God damn, this dude is so good. Like, he's a fucking great actor. He's a great actor. He's he really so is. effortless when it yeah. comes to acting. You know, I mean, his, his Sherlock Holmes is freaking brilliant. You know what I mean? And it's kind of silliness or whatever. And again, I remember Chaplin, to me, I think in his earlier films, when I saw Chaplin, I was like, wow. I already knew this guy was good, but damn, right? And then everything after that, I'm like, I'm just going to watch everything he does. He's so smooth. He's so fucking good. Hello? Hello, Diane. Yes. Hi, this is Peter. 
Hi, Peter. How are you? I'm good. Um, first and foremost, I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity. Uh, I know we went back and forth a, a number of times trying to make this work. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I, you know, I have your website up and I see that you're from LA originally. Uh, being a child of, uh, parents who are musicians, how was it that you did not get into music, but got into literature like after college? Gosh, you know, I, I couldn't really tell you. I, my brother was a very talented musician and a professional musician for a long time. And my aunt, my mother's sister, and my uncle, who I also grew up very close to, um, were musicians as well. So I don't know. I somehow missed that gene, that gift. But um, <laughs> and and then my evolution to writing was kind of a slow one. I'm not somebody who grew up expecting I would be a writer or dreaming of being a writer. I always felt like it was something I was kind of good at in the sense of I felt comfortable expressing myself on paper, but I wasn't really, I didn't think of myself as a creative writer, really. Um, and yet, when I, so if you've seen my website, you might know, or if you've heard other podcasts I've done or stuff, um, I did, when I got out of college, in an effort to be what I thought was being practical, I did go to business school for an MBA for one whole semester, and uh, really discovered it was not for me. And it was while I was in school there that I don't really know why I suddenly decided I wanted to know more about literature. I really don't know because I hadn't taken it in college. I took one class and I didn't really like it. But for some reason, I just got that idea in my head. But I still didn't think that I would be a writer. That was that was very far afield. I, I wasn't thinking in those terms. You know, like I said, it was kind of a gradual evolution. Yeah, so you didn't have a Ouija board that told you what you might do when you got older. <laughs> Sadly, no, I did not. Unfortunately, no. Uh, I could tell you a Ouija board story though, if you want to. Hear oh, sure, it. absolutely. Uh, well, well, here's the thing. I, I, it's a very long story, so I won't bore you with all of it. But I will say that we did play with Ouija boards when I was a kid, and um, we we used to ask it those sorts of questions, and it was just a game. I, we didn't think much of it. And then when I came up with the idea for Only You, uh, a very, very close friend of mine, a woman who had been my roommate, and, and she was not in the film business, but she was very, she very much liked this idea, and she was very encouraging of me to write it. And so one night, we just thought, well, let's get a Ouija board. It might be kind of fun. And so we got one, and, and we invited a few other friends to join us, and everybody bailed except for one other woman. And um, everybody was very frightened of it and said, you know, it's, it's, you, you shouldn't do that, and you're conjuring evil spirits. And I was just like, it's a Parker Brothers game, you know? <laughs> Calm down. Which... Actually, it was a line in the script and didn't make it in the film, I don't think. But anyway, so the three of us did it, and it, it was a very odd experience, I will say. Some strange things happened. It's the only, one and only time in my life that I've ever had any sort of interaction with something I could even come close to describing as supernatural. Um, I've never seen a ghost or anything like that. But it, it was a strange evening, and um, there were a couple things that happened after that. Not terribly serious things, but... Like I came home one night from work and I, I was, when I was working for City Pollux, I was working out on the Universal lot and I was living in West LA, almost Santa Monica. So it was a really long drive and my days were very long. 
And I got home, and uh, this was just a couple nights later, and I put my key in the lock, and it just turned all the way around, and I couldn't get into my apartment, and they had to call the locksmith. And nothing like that had ever happened. So oh, wow. it could have just been coincidence, but yeah, I have not played with a Ouija board since then, I will say. But yeah. I have a little one, a little story of a Ouija board. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, not, not as sexy, I, I don't think. I, I think <laughs> you have a great story there. So I'm going to date myself a little bit. When only you came out, I was 11 years old. Okay. Okay, and and I watched just it. Just slightly younger than I was. No, just just a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. And uh, <laughs> so after having watched only you, and you know, I had aunts and uncles that uh, were a little bit older than me, uh, probably in their late mm-hmm. teens, I believe, when when the film came out. Uh, I remember playing with my aunt, and I decided to ask a question of who would I marry because of the oh, film. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that is something that I do remember, and that's why this movie that's has hilarious. stuck with me. Yeah, just because of that experience. So it didn't. It, it gave me my version of Damien Bradley, um, and <laughs> I, I have not yet, and I don't know if I will, I have never met this woman, and it's not the woman that I ended up marrying, so there's that. Well, and there there you have it. There you have the accuracy of the Ouija board. That's yeah. right. I, yeah. I, I think somebody was either pulling the leg, or somebody just got it wrong, is all it was, so it's one of the well, two options. Well, you know, and this is this is the weird thing, and you may recall that the script opens, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I haven't looked at it in a really long time, but I believe the first line is, stop pushing it. Yeah, yeah. And and she's accusing her brother of pushing the, the thing, which is what you always think right. when you're playing with other people. You think somebody is pushing it. That's what we thought as kids. And then when I did it with my friends as an adult, honest to God, and I, I really to this day do not know how this works. I'm sure you're unconsciously doing it. But we started off and it literally would not move. And by the end of the evening, it was moving so fast, I couldn't even keep my fingers on it. I could barely keep my hand on it because it was speeding around the board so quickly. And there were just two of us doing it. And I really don't think my friend was doing that. I mean, this is a very close friend of mine. And why would she have done that? I, I just don't think she was. So, I, again, I, my personal belief is that you are moving it, but it's unconscious. But, uh, you know, who knows? <laughs> it could be. I mean, I... I remember playing with it a number of times with different people, and I mean, there's just some people that you are like, I'm pretty sure this person would be the one to make the moves, but I know that each time I played, it was never me. So, so am I to think that every time I played it, it just happens to be the other person? You know what I mean? Well, that's it. Everybody swears it's not them, (laughs) and and. Yeah, no, it it is quite mysterious. I did a bunch of research on it to the extent that you could at the time after I had that experience and before I sold the script to try to get to the bottom of it. And there's really two schools of thought of it, thought on it. One is the supernatural school that it's evil spirits who haven't moved to the next plane and you should not be messing around with this and it's very dangerous, blah, blah, blah. And the other is that, no, you are doing it. You just don't realize that you're doing it. But there's no real 100% definitive answer that, that I could find. No, not at all. Oh, wow. Uh, Obviously, we learned that uh, it's Larry, you know, who's uh, Faith's brother in in the (laughs) movie here. Well, Larry was pushing it. That's right. (laughs) Just a little bit. Yes. Um, Yeah. What do you remember about the writing process of Only You? Um, Well, um, let's see. It was basically pre-internet, so it was easier to concentrate. I can tell you that. (laughs) Yeah. 
I was unemployed, and um, I was living in a very kind of cave-like little apartment. And, you know, there was just not a lot else going on. My, my best friend had moved to Africa, the one who I'd done the Ouija board with. And so there was just not a lot else going on in my life at that point. I had, I had kind of – I'd written one script before I left Sydney, and, and I'd gotten a tiny little option on that. But they were um, – not asking me for rewrites, and it was very nominal. And then I sold, uh, I, I didn't sell, I got a job to write a treatment for a company called Hanna-Barbera. So I had that, and that got me in the Writers Guild. It was a very small assignment, but at the time, it paid Writers Guild minimum, which was like 25000 and it got me health insurance, it got me in the Guild. So that was great. But uh, other than that, you know, it, it really was my sole focus, and I was unemployed, but for that one assignment. And um, by the time, it took me about a year to write it. So by the time I finished it, I was out of money. And it was really stressful, but it was also, uh, it was kind of a turning point for me. I think I felt up until that point in my career in the business, I had worked very, very hard, but I'd never been paid very much. Even even when I was working as a VP for Sydney, he didn't pay much because I guess he figured you got to be a VP for Sydney Pollock, so that was good enough. And so I'd struggled, and I kind of, I, you know, for what it's worth, I made up my mind. I was tired. I was tired of being poor. I was tired of giving my work away. I was tired of um, just not being, I felt like, paid for what I, I was worth, and I was thinking big. And I, much to my surprise, that paid off. But I actually, <clears throat> excuse me, that script that I mentioned earlier, the first script I wrote, which is called Dog Meets Cat, which I wound up optioning to a couple of independent producers. I originally got an offer from a company called King's Road, which is no longer around, but was, you know, a fairly big independent company at the time. And I'd actually been a reader for them years before. And the principal of the company offered to option that script from me. And, but he wouldn't pay me Writer's Guild minimum. And I knew the company had money and they had made some big, relatively big movies and I just felt like no I'm just not giving my work away anymore I can't I, I just had to draw a line in the sand which in hindsight I honestly can't believe I did that because <laughs> I was unemployed and more than that not only did I have no money but it would have enabled me to hold my head up you know to like I was so I was so you know just beaten down and um, I remember, you know, going to a friend's wedding and somebody asked me what I was doing and I was like, I'm trying to write, you know, like, I can barely <laughs> say it without breaking into tears. So the fact that I didn't take that money so that what it would have enabled me to do, obviously, whenever anybody asked me what I was up to, I could have said, well, I've got a project in development at King's Road. That was a company at King's Road. But I just felt like, no, I can't do it anymore. I can't treat, I need, I need to respect, you know, the work I'm doing, and no one else is going to unless I do. You do something for nothing, people treat you like you're worth nothing. And so I said no. And then I wound up optioning it to those independent producers, the first script, Dog Meets Cat. And between that and the treatment assignment I got, it bought me the time to write Only You. So, yeah. But times were different, you know. I, I, the, script, the spec market was uh, much bigger then, as I'm sure you know, and um, I had hope. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I and, lived on, yeah. And, and faith, you know. Uh, in, in yeah, your own work, there you so. go, yeah, <laughs> uh, so to speak. 
Was the script changed much at all? Um, I, I I did read a uh, transcription of a previous interview that that you did, and uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. that uh, Norman, the director, he made some cuts, uh, or at least you know said, yeah. "Hey, no, this get rid of this part and things of that nature." How much of your script had changed from what you turned into what the final product is? There, there were sort of two stages. Of that one, been working with Norman for about six months, I made some changes, but I think it was fundamentally the same, tonally. And where it really got changed, and and I will say this, knowing that lots of people love Marissa in that movie, but where it got changed was once she signed on. And the biggest change to me was tonal, where for me. The movie is not funny at all until Robert shows up. And thank God for Robert Downey. But <laughs> up until that point, oh God, thank God for Robert Downey. But up until that point, it's not really funny. And I think the reason it's not funny is because of her take on the character, which, you know, she was an Oscar winning actress. She was the star. She was entitled to have her own opinion about how to play it. But it was not really in alignment with how I saw it. And I, it was just more of a lark, what I had written. It was silly stuff. It was. But it was meant to be a romp. It was meant to be somebody who didn't really want to marry this guy, but couldn't really admit that to herself or her family or anybody. And so then this, this name pops up out of nowhere, and it's like, let's just go. Let's just go. Let's Come on. Let's just get on the plane. But Marissa played it and and saw it differently you know she really saw i i I always felt like this is not a woman who genuinely believes in ouija boards and fortune tellers it's really just kind of a good excuse to skip town because who knows who knows right? right marissa played it desperately serious and and kind of hysterical, in my opinion, yeah. and like she <gasps> really believed in it all <laughs> and I just, yeah, to me, that let the air out of the balloon. And and I'll be really honest, she had me replaced. I, I had one meeting with her. She barely spoke to me. And the next thing I knew, I was off the movie. And that was after having worked with Norman for six months and sold the original script for a million dollars up front. But she was an Oscar-winning actress, and she got her way. And she brought in another writer who is not somebody whose work I respect or like. And that's not uncommon. I, I mean, particularly on a first film, it's certainly not uncommon for the writer to get replaced. But I, you know, you kind of hope if you're going to bring in somebody else, bring in somebody who's going to make me look better than I am, not yeah. worse than I am. You know, go ahead and bring in John Patrick Shanley. Be my guest. Moonstruck's one of my favorite movies ever. So, yeah, you want to bring in somebody of that caliber? Fantastic. But the person they brought in, is it so happened was not a person who, and, and totally aside from the fact that she replaced me, completely aside, I was not a fan of her work prior huh. to this happening. And so, and she was brought in at Marissa's behest, and she did Marissa's bidding, and then called me up and told me she was not here to try to steal my credit. She was only going to try to make it the best she could for everybody, and then proceeded to try to steal my credit after we wrapped, and fortunately did not get away with that. But I still felt that she kind of ruined some of my dialogue and made it, like I said, more serious, more shrill, less of kind of just a fun experience than I had imagined it. So, yeah, I hope that doesn't disappoint people. I I, I can't tell you how many people have heard from like, oh, they love Marissa. And I always just kind of nod my head. Um, And I'm glad that they did. But, 
Yeah. Yeah. I. I. Well. I. I think uh, my co-host would probably agree with you. I, I think he just found her unbelievable. Like r- seriously. Like she's completely she, unbelievable. It, right. She's ridiculous. <laughs> and she's annoying. I'm sorry. She's annoying. I probably shouldn't be saying this, but so long now. <laughs> no. But um, no. I. I mean, honestly, I. I can't. Uh, it was hard for me to watch it until Robert comes in, and then, as far as I'm concerned, he saves the day. It's crazy that his character comes in 43 minutes into the movie. Is that the way it's written I know, in the script, too? I know. And it was the nature of the story. And by the by, when we all saw the rough cut, everybody wanted him in that movie sooner. Everybody knew. And um, there was not a lot of ways to do it. It was the nature of the story. So, yeah. So, obviously, it, it sounds like you didn't have input on, you know, who was being cast for, for these characters. No, none whatsoever. I mean, I know, and a writer never does. But the fact that Marissa got rid of me when she did, I really had no input. I will say, you know, it, part of the reason I got the money I got for it was that at the time, a number of female stars wanted it. Julia Roberts' agent wanted it for her. Demi Moore really, really wanted it. Oh, wow. um, but she wasn't willing to commit to star when she wanted to produce it. So that's how I wound up selling it to somebody else. But then once Norman came on board, she started lobbying Norman and she really wanted it. She was a very big star at that point. And um, I just remember Norman saying to me, you know, he hadn't really seen her in comedy. And he said, I just, I don't know if she's going to be able to make the most of your dialogue. And the irony of ironies was we got Marissa, who then came in and changed the dialogue. So, yeah, who's to say, you know? Oh, wow. Well, yeah. when you were writing the story, uh, did you have certain uh, actors in mind for some of these roles? Um, not really, no. Honestly, the only voice I kind of had in mind at the time for Peter, Robert's character, was actually Steve Martin in uh, Roxanne. Oh, okay. Where, and I can't even really tell you why now. I just remember I kind of utilized that. I felt like, again, sort of the silliness of it and him defending his, his romantic, you know, point of view. Somehow that worked for me a bit. But I, I, it's not like I imagined Steve Martin would do it. I knew he was probably too old for it even then. And, but uh, yeah, that was the one voice that I kind of used, piggybacked in my head. Yeah, I, I think 92 might have been Father of the Bride. So this would have, would have been some time after that. Roxanne? No, or you not, mean, not Roxanne. Well, it was Roxanne. Uh, Steve, it was Steve, Steve Martin. Martin and Roxanne. Right. Steve Martin had done Father of the Bride in 92, so this came oh, out yeah. in 94. So he's already, yeah. yeah, he's way yeah. too old. Yeah. No, and I, like I said, I didn't, I didn't write it thinking, you know, oh, gosh, if I could only get Steve Martin. It wasn't that. It was just <laughs> something about that character right. and that the romance of it and the kind of insanity of the romance of it. That appealed to me, yeah. Okay. Uh, this uh, this film also has, you know, a couple twists and reveals, if you want to call them that. Uh, mm-hmm. What was the inspiration for, as IMDb credits him, the false Damon Bradley as played by Billy Zane? <laughs> um, okay, well, two things. First of all, Billy Zane is also lovely. Yeah. Billy Zane was friggin' hilarious. <laughs> yeah, <he> was. <laughs> um, I, I was very, I met him in Postano and he was really funny and really nice. But I will be very honest here and say that that actually, that twist was a suggestion of a very good friend of mine. 
Oh, okay. And it, I had originally conceived of the script in a particular way, and I knew it wasn't working. And um, this friend of mine, who was a very talented writer, said, uh, but not, I hadn't sold anything yet himself either at that point, but I knew he was talented. And he was like, oh, you know what? Send it to me, I'll read it, and we'll have brunch, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you some ideas how to fix it. So I was like, and he was so cocky about it. And I was like, okay, great, yeah, thanks. Um, and uh, we did, and that was one of the things he suggested to me that he should pretend to be the person. And I knew it was going to mean ripping the script I had apart, but I also knew it was a really good idea, and I thought it was worth it. So, yeah, so there you go. Get some friends with good ideas. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I do like that character, and I just love the way uh, how Billy Zane plays him. You know, just kind of kind of broy. You know, just, uh, <laughs> well, just kind nuts. of a dude. I mean, you know? he just plays him kind of nuts. <laughs> yeah. You know, we we had various ideas at the time, but um, yeah, he was he was lovely. They were shooting nights then, and I was actually an extra in one of those scenes. So I was on the set and. And he was improvising, and he came up to me after Norman called Cut. He's like, are you just losing your mind here over what I'm doing to your dialogue? And I was like, oh, my gosh, no, you're hilarious. He was lovely. Yeah. He, he really is. I, I, um, I'm a huge fan of Back to the Future, and he was in the first two movies. So um, Billy Zane was? Yeah, yeah. He, he played uh, one of Biff's goons. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even remember that. Yeah, wow. he's the one okay. with the match in his mouth. So that was, that was oh, his character wow. name, Match. Wow. Yeah, before he went on to do this, and then Cal in Titanic. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, one of my favorite characters, and I'd like to get your input, uh, in, uh, insight, and what 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 your thoughts of uh, that the casting of Bonnie Hunt as Kate. Yeah, I thought she was great. She's really, really good. I mean, she's out of improv, and so. Marissa was out of theater, Bonnie was out of improv, and so Bonnie, Bonnie was improvising and kind of, you know, would try to steal scenes in a way from Marissa. I think she kind so of did. So they didn't get along all that well. <laughs> really? Okay. As they, you might imagine. They're professionals. Um, they hit it well. Yeah, they did. They did. Uh, they're actors. <laughs> Actresses. Yeah. But. Yeah, no, I thought she was. I thought she was really good. I was really happy with her. And up until that point, I don't. The only thing I'd seen her do, which kind of put her on the map with a lot of people, was a very small bit, but a very memorable bit in the movie Dave, where she plays a tour guide and she's like, "We're walking, we're walking." But the way she did it was just really funny, and she's very funny. She's very quick-witted. So yeah, she was a good call. I, I love Bonnie Hunt. Um, in in our uh, review of Only You, I actually mentioned she's uh, very similar to her character on Jerry Maguire. Yes, yes, that's sort of sardonic, and yeah, you're right. She is. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Jerry Maguire is a little more somber, I think, the character, right. but oh, and, yeah. and actually, to be honest, Fisher Stevens as her husband, I, he played it darker than he I intended. Did. He played it borderline abusive. I felt like, and I again felt like that was just an element of gravity that was unnecessary. Listen, the whole thing's a lark. The whole thing's a romp. We don't need gravitas here in any way. And the way I'd written him was he was just kind of a dope, you know? He was just somebody who kind of couldn't really function all that well on his own. Like, there's nothing to eat here kind of guy, instead of, like, almost a little bit threatening. I didn't like how he played it. And, you know, again, I didn't have any say. The writer has very little say, unless you're directing. Yeah, I um I I don't remember what my co-host thought, but I felt that he was a little emotional, abusive, emotionally abusive to 
uh, Kate, yeah, you know, is. yeah, over the phones, like, well, I'm working. You need to go home and get my poker yeah. game ready for me. Yeah. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. That is not how I wrote him. That's not how I wrote him. I wrote him oh. much more whiny. Yeah. <laughs> much more whiny and, and sort of incompetent and not sort of like threatening. And I don't know if that would have been that much funnier, but it just, yeah, I didn't like what they did with him. I didn't. And particularly because she's going to go back to him. So really? Right. Yeah. 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 So who, who's all happy about that at the end? I mean, I'm... I'm Precisely. I, I think yeah. we were all rooting for Giovanni, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, the, the actor who played him, his name is Joaquin, Joaquin Jalameda. So he gave me so much grief about what a cliche his character was <laughs> when I when I met him. And I'm in Italy and I'm like... Shivani, look around. It's art imitating life. I'm sorry. This is how it is. This is how a lot of Italian men are, particularly with American tourists. It's I'm writing reality, and I'm sorry if that's a cliche, but... <laughs> he played it well. That's the way it works. We, he played it well. I think we both kind of joked uh, that once Giovanni and uh, Peter drive off in that in that convertible, we're like, I want to see that movie now. Let's follow them. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Just because of where everybody was oh at that gosh, point. Oh my gosh, I don't even remember. When does that happen? When do they drive off together, just the two of them? They they drive off right before Larry shows up to take Kate back. And, oh, uh, really? Yeah, it's like towards the end of the... Yeah, it's like the last third of the movie. Uh, but, Interesting. Yeah, no, yeah. That, you're right. That would have been a nice a nice friendship. <laughs> yeah, a nice you know, just a little road trip between Giovanni and Peter. Let's, <laughs> let's see what they're up to. <laughs> <laughs> I would have uh, enjoyed In that Italy. very much. Yeah. yeah. Now, exactly. speaking of the word Italy and Larry, what's with uh, Fisher Stevens pronouncing it Italy? Italy. I don't know. Again, they were <laughs> supposed to be from Philadelphia. That was not my doing. Okay. I don't think I really specified where they were from, and then they decided to start it in Philadelphia. So I guess that was meant to seem sort of ethnic or not. I don't know. You know, a specific Philly thing, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I, again, I had nothing to do. Yeah. Nothing to do with performances. Oh gosh. Unfortunately, for better or worse. Yeah. Um. It, it, I. I just want to make it clear. It really was a dream come true for me. I. Again, I went from being unemployed and in debt to I made a million dollars and I got to go to Italy with the movie and, you know, hang out with Robert Downey Jr. and Positano and and it was extraordinary. And Norman Jewison was lovely. He was really fantastic to work with so it was a great experience there were there were elements that were a little bittersweet but overall it was really wonderful so i was lucky yeah well i mean just a few more minutes here and and, and we'll wrap up I, i've really been enjoying uh hearing your thoughts and and your recollection of uh you know the process of making only you um uh, you, you are also an author I am, yes. I've written a book on screenwriting called Get Your Story Straight. kind of grew out of my teaching for UCLA and my consulting and speaking and all of that, yes. Yeah. Uh, now, this is, I, I do sit on your site, this is available at like your, your local Barnes & Nobles and things of that nature? Honestly, I don't know. It's definitely available on Amazon. Um, I don't know if they have it in bookstores or not. I, I, I honestly don't know. But you can get it on Amazon. You can order it there. You can get it either paperback or you can get Kindle. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And the link is on your site, and I'll link your site yeah. to the show notes as well. Um, and yeah, and, and you know, since you do uh, story consulting and uh, you know you teach online courses and such, what what, what is uh, some word of advice that you can give to uh, maybe people looking into getting into screenwriting? 
I, I would say read as many scripts as you can. That's very, very easy now with the Internet. You can Google so much stuff, which back in the day you'd have to actually order hard copies. So your life's been made that much easier. And particularly around award season, almost all the studios now make the scripts of their nominated films available online usually for a limited amount of time, but it's pretty great. You know, so La La Land or Moonlight or whatever, you know, the last few years they're up for a while and you can access those. So that's really important. And because the thing is, I'm always astonished at the number of people who think they want to be screenwriters, but they've never actually even read a screenplay, read one, let alone dozens, let alone hundreds. And that's what you need to do. You need to educate yourself about the craft as you would if you wanted to be a musician or a painter or whatever it is. You know, you may have seen a lot of movies, but that's not the same as understanding what goes into actually crafting one. And the other thing I would say is concept is extremely important. It's always been extremely important, and I think it's almost even more important now unless you're planning to try to raise your own money and and shoot yourself, and then you can do whatever if you can raise the money. But concept is really key. You have to have something that's going to engage people in the logline, I think, and not rely solely on the execution, although the execution is really vital too. So those are a couple things to bear in mind. And that concludes my interview with Diane Drake. Uh, I want to thank her again for coming on the show and, uh, you know, sharing her memories, you know, of the, of the film and, and writing. I had a joy speaking with her. Uh, even after the interview, we, you know, continued to speak on other things and, you know, some of her other work. Just a very friendly person. So if you guys get a chance to, I don't know how active she is on social media, but, uh, you know, check the show notes for her Twitter and uh, perhaps uh, she'll continue the conversation. So we'll go ahead and wrap it up for this episode. So uh, we're, we're definitely split uh, for this movie. If you want to watch it, it's free on the Pluto app. I didn't even know Pluto app was a thing. Yep. I downloaded it today. Yeah. There's, I guess there's a lot of shows on there, like older shows and they have older films. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Don't have to pay for it. There, there you and go. it's right there. Yeah. Limited like three or four commercials. It wasn't really that many. You know, but enough to make it two fifteen. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> On the time, anyway. Well, th- th- thank you for putting in that work uh, to to do this review. <laughs> right, um, Mariano. Where can uh, listeners find you and some upcoming coverages? Uh, should they want to continue conversation or just check out some of the other things you do? Yeah, I am on, let's start with Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Papa Elefante. That's at P-A-P-A-E-L-E-F-A-N-T-E. I am on uh, Cortemp Arts Network. Um, you can go look at CortempArts.com to see the different shows that are podcasts that are cov- that I'm in and, you know, a lot of different people are involved with. So um, we do a show called TV8 My Brain, which covers a lot of television. And uh, my wife, Allegra, and I are now coming up on Mr. Robot season four, the final season, season four, which uh, I believe starts on Sunday. Um, and I was just a guest uh, on the Power podcast, like two, the last two episodes with uh, uh, Jamel, Juwan, and Devin. Devin, who may be familiar to Peter here. He may know who that guy is. I know um, who and- he is. I don't know if he remembers me. <laughs> I did say, hey, do you want to say anything to Peter? He's like, who? I'm like, really? Is oh, that what wow. you want me to tell him? Wow. wow. <laughs> Of course. I, I, I didn't expect anything less, I guess. It's it's okay, because when I mentioned uh, Allegra Le Feedback, I mentioned that. He's like, did she say I was her favorite? I'm like, no, no, no. Who says that? So it's okay. Yeah. Man. You know, he, you know, he's never going to hear this, but I'm a little salty. There was that one post on Facebook where he's like, uh, he was talking about recuperating and, 
if you know if you didn't get a text from him, then he wasn't thinking about you or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. I, I remember that. I, I did not get that. a text or anything. So mm, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. All right. Well, you know, I'm gonna let that beef brew. Yeah, you know, between yep. y'all. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we you know earlier we mentioned Cobra Kai Companion. Um, you know, you could just uh, type in Companion with a K in the Googles. We got a website, you know, Twitter and all that. It'll, it'll populate. You know, I think we're the only thing Cobra Kai companion with a K out there. But for other social medias, you can find Podstalgic on Twitter and Instagram simply at Podstalgic. Uh, so that's going to do it. We got some great movies coming up in the next uh, few weeks. I mean, our next episode is going to be El Camino. So yes. if you were a Breaking Bad fan, that's going to be um, our next review and shortly after. Uh, a few days later, a certain Tarantino movie from 94 that I have not seen in a really long time. So there's another tease for you right there. So there you go. Yeah, great movies coming up, people. So uh, that's going to do it. Thank you guys for listening and your continued support. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Only you that made this world seem right. Only you. Thank you for listening to the Cortem Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Cortem Parts shows, visit cortemparts.com.